Hi, everyone. Before we get into what we're calling the season one finale finale, we wanted to thank you from the bottoms of our hearts for listening to us this season. This podcast has really been such a dream come true for us, and we are just so grateful to each and every one of you for taking this journey with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, let's wrap up season one so we can dive right into season two. We're testing now. I'm going to say some words. I'm going to scratch my legs. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Do you want psoriasis or poison ivy? Take a pick. Because <laughs> I've probably got both. <laughs> what if you just need lotion? And everybody. And everyone else. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm good. It's been a minute. About a month. A month. Yeah. <sighs> we took a nice lengthy break from episode 21. Yeah. Well, we took a nice lengthy break from being in front of microphones. We did. So I feel like we've still been working. <laughs> There's been a lot of work. We are actually... In the midst of preparing for season two, which is coming very soon, um, I've had some homework to do in this break. I've had to watch Pretty Woman, which we'll be reporting on in our next episode. And then in this episode, we, we had to dig back in the memory bank. We had to dig way back to think about some of our favorite moments, both in the podcast and in the episode. Um, so we've had a lot of work to do. Yeah. Should I mean, we get some rest? Fun work. Fun work. Well, I'm very excited to say that not long after our last recording, like, I looked at Casey and I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> and so, you know, we started looking around on Airbnb, what's close by, and we wound up in Hiawassee. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So if you're not from these parts, Hiawassee is in North Georgia, um, mountain town area. So <laughs> I haven't been there in like 12 years or something, but it is very beautiful. And we actually stayed in a dome. A dome? Yeah. So I kept calling it a tiny dome. And oh. I like asked Casey, I was like, is it a tiny dome? And he was like, it's just a dome, Selena. But what would be a large dome? Uh, the Georgia Dome. Oh. That's a large dome. Is it like an observatory? Kind of. Okay. I guess because like the, it's like a, t it's like a glamping situation. Okay. Okay. So it literally is like shaped like a dome mm -hmm. and it's like plastic. Okay. So it kind of keeps the outside elements out kind mm. of and I've got mm. a reason to say kind of mm. and then um but the but then they have like sheets over it so not like actual like bed sheets <laughs> but some kind of covering over it so you can sleep in the morning like oh I so see. it's not clear I see o yeah okay and then but the top is open so in in theory you could stargaze mm -hmm. um it's under a lot of trees, though, oh. so a lot of that sap gets on the top. So, you know, as soon as we got in there, I was like, well, I can't see out the top. They could have cleaned it, it for you before you got there. I wonder almost if they did, and it, but, like, it had been storming around that time. Oh, that also plays into the story that I should tell faster than I'm telling. So there's, like, a little river out by it. So it was really beautiful and picturesque, and, like, it's part of, like, some sort of really neat neighborhood that was like made up of cabins but you can also do like an rv situation back there it has a victory garden at the front oh that's nice um like it was just lovely um 
there were two things though that happened that were a little outside of my comfort zone. So I'm glad I started with glamping before I went full camping. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. The first thing is, is that Casey and I encountered the scariest spider that we've ever seen ever. Both of us like panicked about it. And the reason why is like, was we, it a brown recluse? No, I mean, scary. this thing was the size of like Jackson. <laughs> if people, if you don't remember, Jackson is Nikki's dog, which is small for a dog, big for a spider. <laughs> <laughs> He's about 16 pounds. Well, do you know, so honestly, it was so creepy looking that, like, you know, like those Halloween spiders that you, like, gag gift people, uh, like, or uh-huh. not gag gift people with, but, you know, you, like, play a joke on Right. Them. Okay. So I walk in, and I'm just, like, trying to, like, take in all the situation in this, like, all these things that they have inside this dome to, like, kind of, like, you know, just get some context for Orient what yourself. Staying. I got yeah. it. And I look down on a set of blankets, like, <gasps> which we did not need. Because it was hot. Oh. On top of the blankets, there's a spider. But no, I thanks. thought it was fake. Oh, no. I'm not kidding you. I'm showing on my hands. It was like this big. She's showing like probably six inches. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it was like one of those perfect angular, you know, Nasty. they just have that real like weird look. Did looking. you take a picture? Neither one of us did. And I think it's because we were so scared. Terrified. Okay. Yeah. And like, and he was like, didn't want to go to kill it, like with a shoe or something because we were scared it might go where, and then we would go home. Like <laughs> if that spider got loose in there, we didn't know where it was at. So he sat there and he sprayed it with off. Oh. And did, until it passed. Did it die? Yeah. I mean, there was, it was, this was an us or it situation. I, I understand. Which I feel bad. Like we don't, we don't want to kill creatures. That's not our bag, but this was You also an, don't want to die yourself. Or I didn't want it to spawn babies. Kill or be killed. It was arachnophobia. In your ears. Oh, so many things, right? Oh my God. Yeah. So it had to go. Um, but the other thing is, is that we went to go see some waterfalls that were on the property. Uh-huh. We're about a mile away. It starts pouring down raining. Oh, no. We finally got to the point where we were just walking in the rain, and we were just, like, laughing because oh there was no escaping it. So other than those two things, <laughs> it was perfectly lovely. Nice. Really enjoyed it. We went to Dillard's the next morning. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. For, um, like, their all-you-can-eat breakfast. Mm. This is, like, for folks that don't know, again, Dillard's is in North Georgia as well. You can actually stay there overnight. They have, like, horses on the property, and you can go horseback riding. You can do all these things. Um, but they also have, like, a restaurant that's been there, I think, for, like, over 100 years now. And they're open 365 days a year. Oh, it is It is that? Okay. It used to be. I don't uh, know. Pre-pandemic. Probably. I mean, it may still be. Who knows? That's changed everything. Um, but, so, yeah. So, that was um, really wonderful because they have, like, this thing where basically they just keep bringing you food, which is. And, like, the good southern breakfast food. Yes. Um, yes, yes. We just kept it to one round because it was just the two of us. We've had that conversation before. You go and you can have as much as you want and we make it one round and we're like, that was good. I mean, good. I could have done multiple rounds. It was just like. You had a long road trip ahead of you. need to be somewhat responsible. That too. <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing that I'll say is we ended that trip with somewhere I don't think Casey was very happy to be and probably will not admit to going. So I'll admit for him that oh. we went to. Babyland General. You went. Yeah, for the Cabbage Patch Kids because I need, and he was like, what's this now? <laughs> he like didn't even understand like where we were going. So just a reminder for folks that for some reason you were like, you know where I'm going to start with this sweet tea and TV podcast is like the end. <laughs> so a couple episodes back, I did an extra sugar and Nikki and I talked about 80s toys and it specifically focused around Cabbage Patch Kids. It's got a 
weird history, so I encourage you to go back and listen if you haven't. And then because of that, I had to go to the new one. And so we went, we saw, we were all in, we were both in disbelief. I don't even know what to say. We did arrive just in time for a doll to be born out of the giant cabbage in the middle of the showroom. Sure. The circle of life. Yeah. I almost pulled the girl over to the side to be like, are you here of your own will? (laughs) Blink twice if you need to be rescued. Do you need us to get you out? (laughs) Because I can't imagine that she thought that she was going to be in her life saying some sort of play on words for a pesiotomy Mm. for a cabbage. Mm. And she was like putting a shot into the cabbage. This is all part of the thing. And she was like, do y'all know what's in this shot? And everybody's like, "Ah." and she's like, TLC. Does anybody know what TLC is? And Casey and I are standing over in the corner, like the kid from home alone, just, "Ah, what is happening? (laughs) Anyways. So, all that to say, lots been going on. How what's been going on with you, Nikki? <laughs> I've been really busy too. I went to the doctor twice. Oh. Ooh, <laughs> I uh, my itchy legs. It just was killing me. Yeah. Just killing me. I lived with it for like a month, a month and a half. I talked about it the last time we recorded. We opened this episode with an outtake about it. I don't know what it was. Is out of control. So I finally made an appointment at the doctor, and nothing. No cause. No obvious like anything. So it has resolved. I oh, that's all. Um, no, she gave me a steroid cream, but I had already been using a cream before that I think helped it. Mm. Like two days before I went, it really kind of stopped yeah. itching. You and just need like, to go to the doctor. I'd already made the appointment, sure. so then I ended up getting like, this was the dermatologist, so I got like the full body freckle mole scan, which mm-hmm. was good. I got some things taken care of there. Um, <laughs> had a lady doctor appointment. Like I've just been. Now, was that an ode to designing women? Going to the lady Pilot. doctor. Yeah. I, it was an ode to, I hadn't been in a really long time, and it was time to start taking care of myself. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I, ha- I also, just so you know, I just did a lot of things to keep myself from saying like two, three, four, five jokes. So <laughs> you're welcome. Well, you know, I looked at Kyle um, about a week ago and said, get me out of here, similar to the way you looked at Casey and said it. And I had almost planned a whole weekend in North Georgia. And then I remembered I had a get together with my friends planned and we had soccer practice. And by the time all of that would have ended, we would have had like 12 hours in North Georgia to Mm. be back for school and work on Monday. So uh, we did not go somewhere, uh, but we will will have to eventually because I'm in a very much get me out of here mode. Yeah. Do it. Go away. But we're oh, okay. Well, in a good way. Okay. In a good, in a happy way. <laughs> I'm like for clarifying. Get out of here <laughs> for your own sanity, for everyone. It's wonderful. But we're back in action now. We're back in action. Yep. We also have been planning for season two. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been planning this, which is our finale. Finale. Mm-hmm. We finished episode twenty-one. Now we want to kind of do a recap of the whole season. Mm-hmm. We want to look back at a few different things. Um, so we're calling today our finale finale. It's the Sweet Tea and TV season one in review. Okay, good. I'm glad that you pronounced that for me because I've been calling it the final finale. Oh, I've probably been typing it the final finale in places. Eh, no, not necessarily. <laughs> so we're going to do a few things today. We're going to start with a by the numbers of season one. Okay. It'll be fun. Um, then we're going to share our top three moments of designing women season one. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to do our top three moments of the podcast. This is sort of like our personal, what we've been through on the 
back side of things. Back end of things? Sure. Sure. Also, I like how I'm acting like I don't know. Guys, I know. I know <laughs> what we're doing. Like, we haven't shared any of this. We don't know what each right. other is going to say, but... She knows. She knows the episode outline. Yeah, we're not this off the cuff. Like, <laughs> ooh, tell me more. But we want you to know. Right. What we're doing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then it's always, we want folks to stick around for extra sugar because we're going to talk a little bit about the critical reception of Designing Women season one, a little bit about where we are with our characters heading into season two, um, and maybe a little bit about what we think is going to happen in season two. Okay. Um, so you want to get into it? Let's get into it. All right. Always just a little bit sweaty. <laughs> I was thinking again about Nikki. Always a little bit sweaty mace. <laughs> Go ahead and throw it out there. <laughs> It could stick with me for life. That could be on my tombstone one day. Oh, that's so Here funny. lies a little sweaty woman. She was kind, but sweaty. <laughs> Just always a little bit. <laughs> Even when it was very cold, somehow, there was still a little sweat. But she wasn't a little bit sweaty. On those days, she was a lot bit sweaty. <laughs> In the dead heat of summer. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You live in Georgia. <laughs> it's never warm. <laughs> Just humid, that's all. So let's talk about, like, these numbers. Like, there are some repetitive things that happen over the course of designing women. And I feel like we identified some of them really early on. Like, the first time we saw it, we were like, this is a thing that's going to happen. Right. Like, we knew, like, Suzanne's going to flaunt in. Right. You know, she has a, that that's just her character. She's got that air about her or whatever. Right. Mary Jo scrambles in. Yeah. They do all have a very specific entrance that's they very really focused to their personality. They really do. So, for everyone else, like, we identified some things that we thought were regularly happening and then we painstakingly went back through and counted them. Which it is was painstaking. That's hard. It really was. Counting is not really in my repertoire. It's not my strong suit. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, okay, I'm going to, to like tell you the ones that I counted. We split it up because yeah. it was it was too much for any one human being to it do. It was painstaking. It was. Uh, so the first one's a little sad. We probably should have started on a happier note, but whatever. There was a lot of fat shaming that took place across the season. There was a whole episode about it. That is what made counting challenging. So I oh. will say that I actually, for this one, just wound up counting the number of episodes. Okay. Okay. Ten episodes. Holy moly, really? So almost half of the season contains some sort of something that you and I consider fat shaming. Yeah. So again, we don't want to put throw our opinions around on anyone else, but that's what I felt like. Yeah. Okay. So... I will say that there were two episodes where uh, there were some cut lines, mm -hmm. but we talked about them mm -hmm. in our show. So, Tim. Another thing that we tracked uh, through the numbers is mentions of Suzanne's alimony checks. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised by how low this was because I thought it was happening all the time. Yeah. But it was five Five oh, times. really? That's all. And one was more of an honorable mention. Uh, I would love to go back to S Selena from two weeks ago and go, Selena, what was the honorable mention? Because she probably remembers, but I don't. Oh. So, <laughs> five. Okay. Huh. I think it's because a lot of times I feel like it started the episode. It was sort of yeah. like the cold open. Sure. Yeah. Well, but there was something where I think they were talking about someone else's alimony checks. I think that's what it was about. Okay. I think for me, too, it was just a sign of the times because we don't 
talk that much about alimony checks anymore. No. Or al- checks. <laughs> Good point. So, which we've talked about several times over the course of the season. Uh, another one on my list was Julia takedowns. I counted seven. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I d- don't worry. I wrote these down. Okay. It, <laughs> because I'm curious that some of them you may have not considered takedowns. Okay. Okay. So that was all of mine. Okay. What you got? I had the number of times Charlene took us down a rabbit hole. This one <laughs> required a lot of subjectivity. Uh-huh. So um, I counted 17 times. Wow. Starting okay. with the pilot. When Julia comes in and she and Julia are exchanging some conversation and Julia says, I hate when you break my flow because Charlene starts going down a path. Mm. But we had um, the pilot. We had Julia's son. There were two in Mary Jo's first date. Uh, she talked about the quiche and the quickie. That, oh, was a, uh-huh. that was a rabbit hole. We had one in Design House. I do, I don't. There were eight in Old Spouses Never Die. Which was a two-parter. Oh, I believe episode. that, yeah. That's the wondering episode, isn't it? I'm just yes. wondering. Yes, and I counted each one of those separately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one in Reese's Friend, one in Mary Jo's, da- Mary Jo's dad dates Charlene. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tongue then the, the, some more. And then like uh, there were three in Grand Slam, Thank You, Ma'am. Wow. So there were a lot in that one, too. Yeah. Um, I also counted the number of times Mary Jo mentioned uh, her breasts or someone else's. <laughs> The chesticles. <laughs> 4.5. Didn't it feel like a lot more than that? What's the half? She the only po- mentioned one. The point five was in Design House when she's part of the group repetition of the eight finest breasts in Georgia. When they repeat that back to the guy. <laughs> okay. I gave that one a point five because it wasn't of her own accord. Okay. I thought you were going to say something about how small her chest is. So she only got point five <laughs> reference at some point. I'm not I was that creative. Gonna, well, I was going to take offense. <laughs> They all count. They all they all count, yeah. So this one was my personal favorite. Okay. Um, the number of quote-unquote dudes that Anthony used Ooh, throughout the season. Okay. That was something I feel like I caught on to really early with his character. It's a word I use often. It's a fond spot in my heart, but it's so funny when he says it. I had 14. Ooh. I feel like this is pretty astounding given that he was not in very many scenes and episodes this season oh, yeah that's a lot um so the most he did three in old spouses never die again the two-parter but he, they, uh, several other episodes were tied for two design house perky's visit and reese's friend that's a high amount of dudes there's a high amount of dudes um okay, sorry i'm over here thinking about dude where's my car <laughs> um okay so the last thing that we decided that we would look at because again we are a southern podcast is and i think You and I were a little disappointed. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it was hard to tell. Are we in the South or are we in a soundstage uh, in Southern California? The answer is yes. So we are both of those things. I think the Southern accents oftentimes were supposed to be the tell that Mm -hmm. it was a Southern show. Yeah. And that's just... And it's hard because part of me is like the whole point of some of the things that we were trying to do with this podcast is to say... If you've never met a Southerner, right, and for some reason you think that we're all hillbillies, rednecks, or hicks, you are sorely mistaken. Right. Those things do exist. Right. You could also argue that those things exist all across the nation, and nay, perhaps across the world. Okay? So, but nay. 
Nay. Oh, you really can't do that with big teeth. But here I am doing it. Anyways, so on the Southern references, do you want to take any guess how many Southern references there are? Did I share that with you? That one I might have actually shared. If you did, I didn't see it. Oh, perfect. Okay, just take a guess across the entire season. I'm going to put you on the spot. 15. <laughs> Not that light. 90. 90? Yeah. Holy crap. Now, sometimes I would do things like Paisley. That sounds Southern. Oh, I see. Oh. oh, I see. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily like 90 references to Atlanta proper right. or anything okay. like that. Okay. And then what I did is I broke down that list and I, look, I looked across everything and I said, okay, but what are these are the deepest cuts either to right. Georgia and Atlanta because that's where we live. Um, well, we do not live in Atlanta, but we do live near Atlanta. I used to live there. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So the deepest cuts were Macon, Marietta, Atlanta National Bank. It's not inside the perimeter, by the way. The Chadwick home. Uh, by the way, I tried to get the Atlanta, is it the Atlanta Preservation Society or something? I tried to get them to get back in touch with me because I wanted to share the Chadwick home picture. Oh, uh -huh. And I think you're supposed to ask for permission. Uh-huh. Still. Oh, no. Uh, and then Ansley Park, uh -huh. Fort Benning. That, you got that one, so good right. job. And then one that's outside of Georgia, and I think it was North Carolina, and that's the Azalea Festival. Oh, uh-huh. So there you go. My only addition to that list oh. is the Braves references, uh -huh. and I'll tell you why I'm counting that as a deep cut. Okay. Because the Braves were doing so terribly at that point in time that they were not like a huge national, like, they weren't the Yankees. Okay, well, then we're going to have to throw the Falcons in there, too, then. Oh, that's right. There were some Falcons mentioned. Oh, that's in my count. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't count it as a deep cut because they're like professional sports. Yeah. So, okay. um, but I'll take it. So yeah. I'm just saying, if we're going to go with that train of thought, which I can get on board with, throw the Falcons in there because yeah. I don't think they were knocking them dead back in 86. Yeah. Yep. Love you, Falcons. <laughs> Love you, Braves. <laughs> and then let's just, you know, also sort of bring into the mix um, that, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest and say I completely lost my point. <laughs> it was what everybody needs to know. It was a super good one. Enter super poignant op opinion from Selena. Moving on. I'm not even going to try and salvage that. So next up, why don't we talk about our top three moments of the Designing Women season one? Let's do it. So I actually think a lot of my favorite moments overlap with the Southern cuts or Southern references. So either the deep cuts or the references. Mm, okay. So some of my favorite parts of the season were when it referenced its Southern heritage. So I you know, just mentioned the Braves. I absolutely loved Grand Slam. Thank you, ma'am. Like even when I think back on my favorite episodes, for some reason, I just love that one so much. Um, I think the Braves references and the fact that I got to do the Braves extra sugar with that one helped. But I just loved how they talk about the Braves. Very exciting. Do you think it's like finally we get put on the national stage? I think that probably has a lot to do with it. And it are things that are so true to my, like, my life. And it feels so like, I mean, I've seen a million Braves games in person. Mm -hmm. I loved the Nashville episode um, because they, they never went to Nashville, whether I wanted them to or not. Right. But 
Nashville is one of my favorite places on the planet. And yeah. it's just cool to see that, like you said, coming to the national stage. Well, I think, okay, so I, I've said it here. You know this about me. Not a big sports fan. Yeah. But I will tell you, there are those years where, like, um, we know, like, we've got a good uh, – <laughs> here goes me trying to talk sports. <laughs> we know that we've got a good team built for the uh-huh. Braves or the Falcons. And because of Casey, I have to hear all these commentaries. And I will say over the year, it really, over the years, it really ticks me off when commentators never give us a stinking chance. Yeah. Like even I, like I don't care, but then I get riled up because (laughs) get riled. It's my home. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, here we go again. We're not going to give Georgia a chance. Yeah. Even though we've proven ourselves, we've had some. We've had some setbacks. <laughs> <laughs> we've had about 25 years. We weren't so great. <laughs> some setbacks. Uh, but we've also proven ourselves a lot of yeah. times. And we've we've gone the distance, but they don't ever give us a chance. And then there's other teams, and I'm not going to name names because we're not going down that road. But these guys get chances over and over and over again. And the belief in them is automatically there. But for us, it's not. And so I think I feel that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I wonder if a lot of people – in the across the country feel this way as we like tell story after story after story about New York City and LA but we never get to hear about Butte Montana yeah you know and so even like Atlanta like um a lot of times I don't feel like Atlanta gets taken seriously or gets taken seriously as as a city um Sometimes I might have said that, um, but like about, I'm sorry. And I, I love Atlanta. We'll always have a place in my heart, but it does, it, it is a little bit harder for places in the South, especially, I think, to be taken seriously. So maybe that's where some of the excitement comes from. I think so. I think so. And like, also, just, I love the Braves. <laughs> no, but, and I think, yeah, you just didn't, we didn't talk a lot about things like the Atlanta Braves or Nashville on Cheers or whatever some of those 80s TV shows are. So that was one of my favorite parts of the whole season. Nice. Did that one make your list? No. Okay. What was was one of yours? I'm actually hoping we'll have different ones. Yeah, me too. But um, I'll be, like, glad if there's overlap. (laughs) Will y'all be glad? It's so exciting (laughs) to hear us, like, really drum this up. Okay. So my first one that I wrote down, these are not in any certain order. Yeah. Is Julia's takedown of Charlene's doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it was awesome, uh, but also because it was purposeful. So, mm. uh, you know, she had a lot of takedowns. She had seven, I believe I said. Mm-hmm. That, but, like, even something that is, uh, I think, gets a lot more um, uh, notoriety or something. Like, it's the first thing you see if you put in YouTube something oh, about uh-huh. designing women is uh, the, night, the night the lights went out in Georgia. But that didn't really have a greater purpose. I yeah. mean, I love that she was standing up for her sister. But at the end of the day, we are talking about, like, a, a beauty pageant. So mm-hmm. not quite the same as please stop killing women mm-hmm. doctor. Yeah. So for me, that was really something. Also, and I wrote this up a couple of weeks ago, but this does feel highly relevant this week, given the current events in Texas. Mm. And gosh, what I wouldn't do for some LBT perspective on television right now. Mm-hmm. So someone who does real, like her strength is speaking to a feminist perspective mm. and she swings her words and her pen like a sword. Mm. We could use that sword right now. Mm-hmm. So that was mine. 
So one of mine, again, mine are not in any particular order either, is similar to that one. I cannot express to you deeply enough how much I loved that two-parter episode. Yeah. Um, I just thought the character development was so great. Mm-hmm. Like watching Charlene go through this emotional roller coaster when she had been such a surface-level character to this point mm-hmm. and getting to learn more about her and what drives her was really exciting for me. Watching the the women come together in a way they really hadn't. So um, mine is similar to yours in that I capture that two-parter episode, which includes Julia's takedown. That was a big moment. Right. Um, and I'll kind of pair that with Oh Susanna in terms of character development because mm-hmm. we also saw Suzanne grow and we saw this different part of her. Sure. So I'm going to put those two episodes together as one of my favorite moments. Okay, you're cheating. I know, I am. It's fine. But you know what? It's I love fine. that you like the show so much that you're cheating. So <laughs> it's a pass. And also, this is a podcast about designing women and it's ours. So we can do whatever we want. Um, these are things I don't get to say during the week. I know. This is, this is my <laughs> thing. We do what we want. Right. It feels good to say it now. Uh, then I'll go home and do laundry. Um, so my next one was that I loved when we finally got some connective tissue between episodes. Oh, uh-huh. Because it's so highly episodic instead of serialized, hmm. uh, the times, you know, like it was just the 80s sitcom. Oh, uh-huh. That's not where we were. Uh, my favorite was when Mary Jo finally confronted Suzanne about dating and briefly being engaged to Ted because oh. like we just happens pilot episode and then right. we don't hear about just it again. Talk about it again. No, like mm-hmm. this is not real life. So I'll, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but they moved some of the episodes around. So they we, did what? So we don't really know what episode that was going to happen. Right. But I'm guessing it was more than a few in between. And I'm thinking that would be. A frequent topic of conversation. Yeah. Um, but I even like some of the little ones, like uh, Suzanne's age. We got oh. sprinkled throughout the season. Yeah. 29 right. every time she got called 30. You yeah. know? So I thought that was really nice, too. I do love a good callback. That's mine. My third favorite is something I literally just mentioned. So it's like crossing categories. I mentioned it in my favorite um, Southern Cut. Okay. And I'm going to mention it here in my favorite parts. Grand Slam, thank you, ma'am. I really, even as I was reflecting back on the season, this one just keeps popping up for me. And I think it had to do with the fact that it was a Suzanne-based storyline. And Mm -hmm. I think just, if it's not obvious from listening to the whole season, Suzanne just is one of my favorites. I'm just going to own it. You love her. You love Archie Bunker. I I do love her. Mm -hmm. I think she's great. Um, So I think having a whole episode around her, I loved. Again, selfishly, I got to do my brain's extra sugar. Um, there were a lot of Southern references. I also loved the, um, and I'm going to forget the actor's name now, but getting to see the Gilmore Girls uh, dad, the mm-hmm. guy who's been in Gilmore Girls sure. come. He was just, I thought he was charming. I just thought he played such a charming character. He was lovable, even though we knew they had a rough relationship. I just love that episode so much. Sure. Um, okay, so mine last one really actually connects to your earlier one because uh, – just about everything from Oh Susanna mm-hmm. uh, was a top for me. Yeah. You're the top. And that was mine because I just loved it. I, yeah. I loved the whole thing. I mean, it was over the top. And she was like, she had some interesting parenting skills, her being Suzanne, but I loved right. them. Yeah. And um, I just kind of think that uh, it was the first time we saw growth that didn't stop for Suzanne or revert. Yeah. And I just, I love, like, I like it when you can take a sitcom and you can bring in that drama element, but you, 
but in this one, LBT just struck it just right. Yeah. It wasn't too sad. Yeah. It wasn't overly done. Like, it was It was just a solid flipping episode. And you know, I don't even think it made an essential episode on Hulu. No, it didn't. And I think that's a darn shame. It was a really good one. And I loved that um, I'm a parent, you are not a parent. Mm-hmm. And we both had that really strong reaction to that episode. Mm-hmm. That it, it struck some sort of chord, probably different chords for mm-hmm. us, but some sort of emotional chord that meant something. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that was a good episode. Yeah, and I and well, and because it, you know, because for for women, whether you decide to have children or not, it is just something that, that really just reverberates yeah. through society. And yeah. there's a lot of good and bad pressures there. Yeah, and I think um, LBT was able to hit on a lot of those. Good choice, Selena. Thanks. All right. Well, we're gonna guess we're gonna gonna. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Cut that. So we talked favorite in-show moments. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to talk about, like, favorite R-show moments. I feel like this part of the episode is really for you and me to remember the things that we loved the most. Oh, well, great. What an enjoyable listen for everyone else. (laughs) But hopefully it'll be fun along the way. Uh, Okay. All right. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw mine out there that it was busting up stereotypes Mm. all season long mm-hmm. loved it yeah and i've learned a lot like because i don't know a lot <laughs> i don't know there's a lot of knowledge out there <laughs> and i feel like like watching episodes and looking at things through this lens of 1986 and now 87 yep. comparing it to 2021 um like this just i just seeing the way that things were conceptualized, even by someone who was progressive mm-hmm. in the 80s, is such a different experience mm-hmm. than where we are now. Mm-hmm. And things move so fast now. Mm-hmm. It's just like completely different. And so seeing that and then being able to look at things today, and we just, you know, we got to look at Hicks, Hillbillies, and Rednecks. Um, I feel like that's a little bit closer to home for me, but Mm. then I think where I really started to, for me to learn was like going and looking at voodoo, right? Like that whole episode about voodoo dolls or whatever. And suddenly I'm like, Hey, this sounds wrong to Mm, me. Like what? Then I was like, well, I don't know anything about voodoo. Not really. Like, Oh gee, what has TV taught me about, you know? So this is the, this is the lesson kids. Like, don't learn all your lessons from TV. (laughs) Do you think they needed us to tell them that, Selena? Yes. (laughs) I do. Like, not everyone, but someone out there needs to hear that. Yeah. And then, like, so, like, go do your own research. And I say this, too, because, like, I think that's part of the problem today. Like, even when you're listening to the news, go do some digging. Yeah. Um, So... Uh, like that was fun. And then w- with the voodoo thing. And then also like we just, I, I even like women issues, just digging into those. And, and I think again, that 35 year perspective right. was really important and scary sometimes Yeah. because sometimes I'm like, wow, we've come a long way. And then the other times I'm like, crap, <laughs> there's still a long way to go. Yeah. I'm, we're in trouble. So I feel like I'm cheating because, uh, 
I agree with that one. It's not on my list, but I agree with that. And so I'm getting like a free fourth one because you brought that one up. Oh, well, go ahead and just cheat away. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I feel like we are both well-intentioned people who want to be inclusive and want to be open-minded about things. And I agree with you. There were parts throughout the season where I learned things that I, I don't know that I was intent. I was definitely unintentionally, but there were things that I was just like, oh, that's what that means. Oh, shoot. Well, I'm going to correct that one now. Yeah. going to fix that one now. Um, that was a good one. It's a good one. I'm co-opting that one. Okay. Except my first one was a lot more selfish than that. Oh, good. It was just doing the dang thing. The whole it thing. It was just taking this like nugget of an idea that mm -hmm. started with us just going on a couple of walks and just kind of joking about quitting it all and starting a podcast. We didn't quit it all, but we did start a podcast. No, we just did more. We just did more. <laughs> and it's just cool to take that nugget of an idea where we both talked about the Southern experience. We both talked about how that can translate to TV and what does it mean in entertainment and how do we break all that down? And then we learned how to use the technology. We got the equipment. Well, one we, of us did. <laughs> we, Help me, my Mac won't even stand up. That's me. It's just cool to take it, like, remembering that first episode we published, remembering when um, we took the website live, and I was like, I did a thing. We just took it live, and it's, it's up there now, you know, like, doing mm -hmm. all these things and getting things, you know, like, seeing um, our little podcast show up in Apple Podcasts or in Spotify. It's just cool. Yeah, that was an exciting moment because I think I had even told you like it. What um, I had been listening to Office Ladies, which is um, it's two actors from The Office mm -hmm. um, who decided to start a podcast about The Office, and so when we launched ours, it showed they were next to each other. That's wild. I'm not saying we're office ladies. I'm just saying there we were right next to them. And that was kind of cool. It's yeah. very cool. Okay. Well, maybe I'm taking yours. There you go. See? <laughs> uh, so my next one is um, <clears throat> the food. Oh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, my. So I don't know that everybody realizes this because I talk to some people and some people who, like, I have, like, you know, who have a relationships with like friendships or their family or family and friends, whatever. Anyways, like I have some people in my life who are only listening to the podcast and they don't follow us on social media Oh, or the opposite. Well, they're missing the whole social media world. <laughs> well, they're accidentally seeing us on social media occasionally, <laughs> but they're not listening to the podcast because I have people in my life. They're just not podcast people. Right. We would love to change that for you. This could be the one that changes it all. I am just going to say again, like I have told several people, it is, even if it's not ours, I don't care. It is lovely to listen to a podcast while you're having to do something that's horrible. Yeah. Because you kind of forget that you're doing that horrible thing, like cleaning your toilet or yeah. whatever that thing is that you're doing. Commode, if you will, in the South. Anyways, so... On social media, we do a lot of things connected to, like, national days, and we'll do, like, these theme weeks and all of this stuff. And because of that, I have had <laughs> delicious brisket. Thank you, mm. Nikki. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> multiple, yeah, I said it, multiple mac and cheeses. Oh, yeah. Uh, yours that was really good. Uh, mine that was not as good as yours, but it, it was there. If, if it had been David Poe's actual mac and cheese that they make at that barbecue restaurant, then it would have been delicious. But I made it, so what are you going to do? Two homemade ice creams. Yeah. Peanut butter. Mm -hmm. And then also peach. Mm -hmm. Again, Nikki. <laughs> There's going to be a running theme for that, too. <laughs> oh, 
but there were a couple things that I've made, which has been me stepping outside of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Pralines. Which were delicious. Oh, thanks. They were very good. Uh, pecan pie. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. respectively made s'mores. You mm -hmm. did. You took it another step. Actually, Just a different direction. What, was, was it like a s'mores pie? I don't even really, I never even asked. It was a s'more, like, I think it was a s'mores pizzuki, pizza cookie, if memory serves. Well. That was good. It looked delicious. I could only eat one slice and I had to get rid of a bunch of it because it was too much. Sometimes you got to pour soap on it and just keep it moving. There you go. Uh, and then uh, even a pie eating challenge. Mm, Thanks yep, to Nikki. Yep, Again, yep. Nikki doing some cooking, baking. And then, you know, I'm just saying like that is me living my dream. Yeah. Eating sweets, eating mac and cheese. That's true. I love food. So that's my number two. I think my number two is similar. Similar. Um, our slumber party in person episode mm -hmm. is just a, a tops for me because mm -hmm. we had recorded remotely for so long mm -hmm. and it was really fun to reunite. Mm -hmm. It was fun. It was way less stressful because all the technology worked for us. Um, but it was like really fun. And Selena is typically our host for the in-person ones. I usually go to her house. She's at my house today, but usually I go to her house and she does a really great job with themes and treats <laughs> uh, to the point about food. Um, so I think that we've talked a lot together this season about sometimes just like the idea of doing the episode, getting all our notes together, doing all the research, getting ready to record, and then actually like recording for a few hours. It's a little bit overwhelming. And then mm -hmm. I am in my head about having to edit everything later and how stressful that's going to be. It's a little hard to live in the moment. And so that was a really fun kind of reset because we just hadn't had that in-person experience. That was a really fun reset that I think I really needed. Mm -hmm. And every in-person session since then has been almost the exact same thing where it's like this thing going into it. Where I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta get my notes together. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to edit this whole thing. And then we get together and it's just really fun. And so that slumber party episode was the one that was particularly fun. There was an in-person recording session behind the scenes we had to re-record because our mics were not working properly. So an hour and 15 minutes later, realized nothing had worked the right way. Had to re-record. That was less fun. But we, but it still was like, I don't know. It still made it fun to see each other and be in person. So slumber party recording. Nice. Number two. Okay. And then I am, uh, my number three is uh, your jingles. Oh. <laughs> I still sing Nikki's nibbles in my head all the time. It gets stuck in my head. I'll be like somewhere and I'm like, it's Nikki's nibbles. And I'm like, gosh darn it. Stop it. I can't help it. It's really good. I think you miss your calling. Like you I've could got have been some a new ones for writer. season two. Yeah. And what a fun job. That and like picking music for movies. I would oh. also enjoy that job. Yeah. 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 We have other, we have other jobs. We, we have too many, too many jobs. My number three was hearing my kids talk about hearing, quote-unquote, mommy's voice on the radio oh, when it came on up. in the car. Oh, my gosh. That is the So cutest. Kyle, um, at one point, took them to school or something and let them listen to the podcast in the car. And they said, oh, well, they did not that part. I'm suddenly thinking about all the things I've said that may not be child-appropriate. All the anatomical terms, which is great for kids to know. It's good for them to know the actual words. Um, but yeah, so they get really excited, and they recognize our logo now. So when it pops up on the screen in the car, they say, oh, Mommy's show, or Mommy's on the radar, or on the radio. So that was really cool, too. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then they're like, and who is that hyena with you, Mommy? No, they know <laughs> you, Miss Selena. They know you. They know it's Miss Selena's voice. That 
beautiful voice. They know it's you and they say, it's Miss Selena. I had to tell them something about you the other day and Carolina said, you mean Miss Selena? And I was like, yes, I do. You're right. So they know you. Oh, you and I were on the phone and she came home. Oh, she knew it was right, you. Right, right. Do you have any more? Well, I have all. I have a million, but we kept it to three. Just the three. So what do so, you say? You want to do season two? Let's do season two. Uh, this next season looks a little bit out of control. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover AIDS and mm-hmm. safe sex. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover suicides, mm-hmm. heart attacks, unexpected baby surprises. That sounds just like a sitcom. There's a lot. Yeah. So this next week, we're actually going to report back on homework that Selena assigned me. Mm -hmm. I had to watch Pretty Woman for the first time. Yeah. A little late to the party, but we'll still take you. Yeah. So that one will be, I think that one will be fun. We'll see. I've been keeping Selena in suspense about my reaction to the movie. So you guys will hear my genuine, honest reaction and then her genuine, honest reaction to my genuine, honest reaction. Not that much suspense because I can read your face, but okay. (laughs) Then we're going to take a couple weeks off. We're going to give ourselves a little bit of a break, but not really, because we're also going to be recording season two (laughs) episodes and queuing up social media. So So you won't really notice that much of a lag, except maybe a couple weeks between episodes, but we're coming back. And in the meantime, um, Selena is hard at work on social media. Um, So we're on Instagram at Sweet Tea and TV, Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. You can email us at sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. And our website, www.sweetteatv.com. And you know what that means. We'll see you in several weeks. Welcome to this week's Extra Sugar. The last one of season one. The final season. For this week's extra sugar, we wanted to take a bit more of a like, I always get my numbers wrong, 10,000 foot view. I like it. Okay. Why not? 10,000 foot view of Designing Women itself. So -hmm. we'll touch on some of like critical reception. um, And then I wanted to talk a little bit about like what we saw happen with the characters this season Mm -hmm. and where we're headed for season two. So I will start us with critical and audience reception. And so I just feel like it's important to kind of know where it is in the landscape of TV mm-hmm. and where it, you know, started in season one and where it ended in season one. So I don't know about you, Selena. Personally, I don't really care for critical reviews of TV shows and movies. I think you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like sometimes I'm just interested for like different perspectives, mm. but I always feel like they're a little half lutin for me. So funny you say that. That is my number one. Like I'm... You are a much more in-depth TV and movie watcher than I am. I'm, like, pretty surface level about most things. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm reading it, and they're really getting into it. Like, holding these characters accountable as if they're real people, like we've done this entire season. (laughs) (laughs) They use, like, really big words that really feel out of place. It's just hard to read. It takes a long time. I'm laughing internally. But this idea that you don't understand big words. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I sort of always felt like what TV reviews and movie reviews need, critical review, whatever, what they need is, like, an artsy-fartsy side. Mm-hmm. And then they also need, like, Joe. Just, right. You know, they need both of those. And so you can go in and watch either, like, you know, look for what you're looking for that day. Because I'm not always looking for Downton Abbey. Yeah. 
Sometimes I just need to zone out. Mm-hmm. I, I won't use a, an example of a show, but mm-hmm. you don't always need something that you can just break down into like theories and themes and you don't need that every time. I'll use an example of a show. King of Queens. Mm-hmm. That's my show. That's yeah. my show that like at the end of a really long day when I just want to sit down and stare at something and sort of laugh from time to time. That's mm-hmm. the show I watch every time. Yeah. Sometimes Everybody Loves Raymond. I've started watching that one. And Modern Family. I'm still not done with that one. Mm-hmm. But Modern Family goes deep, which we've talked about it on can, here before. Yeah. Um, and like even like The Office. Like I've seen it enough times now that I can kind of zone out while I watch it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that show's great to watch because – it is so intricate in there mm, yeah. and on my rewatches of it, I will catch jokes that Notice I didn't even more even. And I've seen that show through five times now. Yeah. And I still catch jokes. That is like, to me, another thing that I love in TV shows. Yeah. So careful. I'll go off the rails. I know. I was going to say, so all this to say, um, I don't really get into critical reviews very much. I take them exactly as you said, with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. I do read a lot of like movie reviews before I'll watch a movie mostly because that's a huge time investment. So I uh, want to know if it's worth my time. TV shows. More so than seven scenes of, or seven. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Wait, okay. Right. Right, right. That one time. Um, but like I take um, my friends' recommendations for TV shows. Sure. That's usually how I find TV shows. I think most of us do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't read critical reviews, whatever. Usually I'm just like when I watch a show, I'm like, that was fine. That's my review of most things. Yeah. That's fine. Um, but I do think in the interest of giving like that full 360 degree view, we're doing this whole episode where we're rehashing season one. I feel like we should talk about a little bit of critical reception. So my takeaway, generally speaking, from what I could find, again, we're talking about a show that was on the air many, many years ago. So it's a little bit hard to find critical reviews. From what I could find, I think it's fair to say it wasn't a critical darling in season one. Yes, I agree. So I found a really early review in the New York Times that said, quote, the half hour skips by breezily enough, even though the one-liners droop occasionally. Miss Bloodworth Thomason is no Susan Harris, whose crackling humor keeps the Golden Girls popping steadily from week to week. On the other hand, Designing Women has a first-rate cast. Now it's all a matter of figuring out where Designing Women goes from here. Already, the show looks like four terrific actresses in search of a workable sitcom. So that was from, like, before the season really even started, the very beginning of the season. I think this is the article we talked about and linked to when we did our pilot. Yeah. Okay, about the pilot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where they started. Um, By the end of season one, I found a People article that called it TV's trashy new splash. Mm. I found that to be such a funny classification. Because Mm. after I watched season one, I didn't think trashy. Yeah. Like, I love the show Roseanne. There are a few seasons of Roseanne that I would call trashy. And I love that show. Mm -hmm. Um, Where it just sort of gets like... And, and trashy is such an interesting word because I think of it as sort of like it just gets gets a little weird. Uh, some of the drama is a little weird. Um, and it touches on things that are like lowbrow, maybe yeah. is what I'm trying to say. I didn't feel that from this show. Yeah, I think, you know, I think like it even almost becomes a thing where you're looking at like class aspects. Yeah. Um, you know, I think like, class specs, if you will. Oh, look at you. Um, like I, you know, like I think about married with children. For yeah, me, sort of fits into that mold, maybe. But then I'm like, well, is it because it's a working class family? I don't know. 
I don't think so. I think that show was meant to be lowbrow. Uh-huh. I think there's a whole thing about, like, it was one of the first um, Fox shows, and that's how Fox started. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they intended to be sort of the lowbrow comedy channel. The everyman. Right. <laughs> Which maybe to your point, though, is classism. And that's what I, right. So, like, I'm just, and this is not something I'm thinking on the fly, which is probably the worst thing I can do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's just something that you kind of have to gut check yourself for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that, I, I, I so. Uh, uh, wait a minute. So are these critics saying because these women were Southern, they were trashy? Who knows, right? Holy crap, holy. Full disclosure, too, like, Nikki shared this article with me ahead of time. And so I read the article, and I just did not have a good reaction to it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was highly unfair, actually. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. I just did. I, and I probably should have read it again because I read it a few weeks ago. And yeah. I've ingested a lot of information <laughs> since then. But I just remember thinking, like, really this is almost borderline rude yeah. to me um and and then i read like a, a a lot of different reviews um over the course of that time so so it sort of was an underdog when the series started by the mm-hmm. time the series the season ended they were calling it trashy were there any other major themes of any other reviews you were able to find it was really hard to find stuff. Well, you sort of already hit on this, but I think it's important to say that it's 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 crystal clear that they love Golden Girls, but they were unsure about this show. Well, because Golden Girls is perfect. It's perfection. Um, and and I don't feel like I can say that because I've seen like a lot of episodes, but it's been a long time. Blah, 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 blah. Sensing some homework for Selena. Yeah, well, it's about time I get some. <laughs> um, and we talked about this in the pilot, but what I picked up on again was this idea that there wasn't room in critics' minds for two female-driven shows. What's the oh, point of that? that's a really good point, yeah. Because I don't know if We already have the not. women over here. What do we need these women yeah, for? Yeah, if you're going to watch women, that's watch great. these women. That's great. That's a great you know? point. Yeah. And I think that's something that we talked about. And so I started looking even closer at these reviews, uh-huh. and I noticed a theme Uh-oh. among the reviews. Oh, they're written by men. Every single last one of them from that era yeah. were written by men. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume they were white. Mm. Um, so I'm just saying not a lot of diversity in the reviewers. Right. Uh, and again, we're talking about a sign of the times. I wouldn't even expect anything different. But my reading, so this is just my personal opinion. Someone else might read this and see something completely different. But what I read was low-key sexism Mm, to mm -hmm. almost confusion of why this was even a show oh yeah um and (laughs) this is what gets me it's almost like what you just read great cast good writing but what's happening here and i'm like (laughs) it's a good show with great writing and a good cast it's a sitcom (laughs) yeah you're watching a sitcom those are women they have vaginas like i just didn't understand what was happening and I felt like I was reading like a lot of slap laments here's something that I pulled specifically as imitations go it is classy Dixie Carter Annie Potts Delta Burke and Jean Smart play four interior decorators in Atlanta who work scheme and complain about men were we watching two different shows yeah that's weird that Uh, is so strange yeah so my reading too was that they just weren't sure what to do with the audacity of these women yeah um you know they picked on especially in like their watching of that first pilot Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's just the one pilot but in their watching of the pilot 
they were picking out all of the salacious dialogue. Oh. But I don't remember any of them commenting, maybe one, on the whole Ray Dawn situation. Again, Ray Dawn is the guy who comes up to them in the middle of their lunch and starts hitting on them. And Julia, it's like Julia's first takedown of the series. That man-eater. <laughs> She's a man-eater. And now I owe money to someone because I'm saying <laughs> that. Anyways, so I, I think that's really telling because it's pretty obvious why that scene wouldn't strike a chord with, I'm again, assuming middle-aged probably, uh, men writing these reviews. It's highly unlikely that they've been harassed by someone yeah. when they were, oh, I don't know, trying to grab food at a restaurant, drink at a bar, or just mm, be crazy and walk down the street. Yeah. They haven't had to put up with that. And so that probably wouldn't stand out to them. But what did stand out to them are like the fact that they're talking about a, 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 a gynecological visit right. and as part of the episode. Yeah. And I think even today, guys, just like as soon as you say anything about below the waist, <laughs> it's just like a total shutdown. And yeah. so I wonder if that was, that was like an extreme overdrive in 86. And they just didn't resonate with them. And see, this is my issue with critical reviews. Because instead of just saying, like, huh, not sure I'm the target demo on this one. Or, huh, not sure this resonates with my personal experience. Instead of saying that, they dig in and they say all their opinions on things. And I'm just so curious if they had asked their wives or their sisters or just, the, like, the woman in their life, the woman that this resonates with, what would she have said? And why wasn't that given the space? Yeah. to stand on its own. Because what we do know, and kind of the other thing I wanted to touch on here, is a callback to something that we did in um, our episode 12 and 13, I think it was, the two-parter, because that was the first episode back after the show was canceled. Mm -hmm. And it was brought back because of the fans. And so I wanted to just remind everyone, one, to go back and listen to that if you're curious what the fan reception was. Right. Because it was nothing like these reviews that we saw. It was not a huh, what do we do with this? These fans were very committed to this show. Sure. Committed enough to sit down and write a letter, which is a lot, that's asking a lot of a person. Like, I struggle to write an email sometimes, and these people would pull out a, you know, whole thing. So um, I think the fans really loved it. So despite what critics thought, despite potential sexism in their view, the fans really loved it. And I think that that is an interesting reminder headed into season two. Right. Critics are calling it trash. Fans are loving it and super into it. And what did you just say? You said, we're going to cover all these really serious issues in season two. Yeah. So it's not just a bunch of like under the bleacher talk or yeah. locker room talk or right. I think the under the bleacher talk might be new, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's not those things. So I, I, I just think it was just such an interesting takeaway. And I'm so glad that you wanted to talk about this because, um, I don't, I wonder if they, I wonder if they recognize that. I will say, I don't know where, by they, I mean, I wonder if the cast recognized what was going on. Did they see it as sexism or was it just the 80s? It's just the like, way it was. Eh. Now, I found something from LBT and she does talk about this a mm, little mm -hmm. bit. Um, and she talks about how out of all that they did and all that they accomplished, they got that hair Emmy. Like for best hair oh, right, right, or right. whatever for one episode. And, yeah. and I think at the time you had said, well, that's par for the course. She basically like word for word said the same thing. So I think she did see some of that then. I don't know if she was, vo I don't even know if she was able to voice that then. 
Yeah. If I don't know if people realize this or not, but there just wasn't women-driven shows, mm-hmm. like not the cast, certainly not the people. Well, there was Golden Girls. Behind the camera, and that's it, and Murphy <laughs> Brown. Right. That's it. Right. You know, and so, and I think that was the point, like, so these women were unicorns at the time. Yeah. And we're still struggling to get a footing there, I think. So to be honest, I did not necessarily love season one. Mm-hmm. I had some shining moments that I really liked. If mm-hmm. I look back on the whole season, I did not really love it. And I think I said this really early on, maybe in our pilot episode. I don't typically tend, like even King of Queens, the show I watch all the time, I don't rewatch the pilot. Pilots are usually not so great. The first yeah. season is usually not so great because they're trying things out. And if this character doesn't work, guess what? They just get rid of them and they replace them with someone else. And so you get this lack of continuity that just always drives me crazy. So I will almost always jump into season two. Friends, I don't rewatch that first season very often. Gilmore Girls, never rewatch the first season. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I always jump in like second season or even if I'm just catching an episode. So I want to be clear that I did not super love this season. The disconnect for me was just that word trashy. And I think exactly what you're getting at, like what made it trashy that we were comfortable talking about gynecology, that we were comfortable calling men on their crap for being sexist and for harassing women. Like that final episode we talked about, is that what we're, is that the problem? So that just, it wasn't a great season. That was an uncomfortable critical review for me because it just Mm -hmm. felt so off kilter. The reasons are very different, right? Mm. Ultimately, you may have not loved it, and they were they didn't love it, but your reasons didn't sound sexist. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's part of it. For me, I will say that um, I feel uh, like some of designing women is nostalgia for me. Oh. Um, so it is so difficult, unless you're talking about, I don't know, like maybe Casablanca or something, to look back at a piece of work that is older and it just feel the same as a modern day sitcom. Yeah. It's just not going to. Yeah. The comedy has just changed. It's always changing. And I, I just, I don't know, like you can look back with some appreciation maybe, mm-hmm. but it is not like, um, I'm rewatching the Mindy Project right now. Oh, uh-huh. And I was just, I'm watching these at the same time, Designing Women and the Mindy Project. You could not have two more different things. Right. Because the sitcom has just changed that much. Yeah. So I think you, I think I'm looking back with it again through a lens of nostalgia and with appreciation for what it was of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did see our main characters change throughout the season. We saw some things happen. So I'm going to go person by person. Why don't I share my thoughts on how they changed? And you tell me if you have a different thought or opinion. Oh, you want me to tell you if you're right or wrong? Sure. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Okay. Sounds go good. Ahead. So with Julia, we'll start with her. Uh, I didn't really see that much change through the season. Um, from the beginning, she struck me as what I would call like the more uptight one, like the one more concerned with the way people appear, with the way people do or do not follow her code of rules and whether they meet her expectations. Um, she's just complicated. She's like that frustrating moral compass, like this is what's right, slash judgmental Judy. Like, everyone should be free. We should do this, that, and that. And we should be open-minded. But also, don't do any of these things I don't like. Mm-hmm. And if you do these things I don't like, we're not cool. Um, that didn't really change throughout the season for me. So I didn't see very much character growth or character 
ungrowth. I don't know the word for it, ungrowth. Uh, my other general observation, though, is that, the and we counted this in the main episode, Terminator moments, I thought they were actually few and far between. Um, you actually counted, I think, more than I thought there were. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a very carefully used device for her, which is funny because as someone who's never watched the whole series episode by episode, it's the only thing I know about her, mm -hmm. that this is what she does. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. That was a general observation about her. They didn't really use that device as much as I thought they would. What did you think about her through the season? Well, okay. So, I, you know, earlier on, I gave the count. There were seven takedowns. I took, so, you know, there was Ray Dawn, the doctor, Reese's friend. I would add to that Payne's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Payne ultimately takes her down mm -hmm. and tells them to both, shh, shh, we had a whole conversation about that. Right. Go back, check it out. Anyways, um, but she did tell her she was going to take her to the, out to the woodshed. So yeah. I'm going to count that. Yeah. Um, she obliterated Reese a bit in the one where they briefly married. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I thought she was pretty uh, Terminator-esque on the woman at the police station even when they go um, to jail for oh, 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 the, the whole thing with the police Paul. officer. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. Um, and so – um, did I say police woman? <laughs> I think you just said woman. At okay, the woman station. at the police station. I was about to say I'm like that. Sound, that sounded a little genderified for me. <laughs> um, anyways, so uh, I agree. I don't think she really changed a lot. Um, I think she changed the least out yeah. of all the characters we see. Uh, but you used uh, personal moral compass. I did too. Oh, okay. it's a rigid one. Yeah, it, it is. She's very set in her ways. I don't see that changing anytime soon. She's also our character who's the oldest out of the four. Mm. Um, and all that said, I would describe her as having a hard candy coating, but she does have a gushy center. Mm -hmm. And I think it's brought out most frequently by her sister and Reese. Yeah. So that's kind of my takeaway. So Charlene, another one for me that was pretty consistent throughout the season. Um, that like early on, that like I said, that very first episode, she took us down a rabbit hole and you could tell that's going to become what she's known for being sort of this um, flighty is not even the right word for it because she's not flighty. She's just all over the place, but yeah. not in a like not grounded way, just in a she's free. She's a free thinker. She likes right. to question things. That stayed consistent throughout the season. I actually thought that the breast cancer scare was going to be a turning point for her. I thought we were mm. going to see something different from her character. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that thing was going to be, but I thought we were going to see something different. I, it feels like she's in her becoming aware phase. Okay. Um, okay. And I, I think that she's seeing uh, some issues with the way that – it's almost this lack of judgment for people, which I think is great. Oh, uh -huh. Like you shouldn't judge people, but then maybe you should a little. Yeah. Or at least like have a little wall. Right. You know, because she just keeps finding herself in trouble and in trouble and in trouble. The thing is, is I doubt we're going to really see her grow that much because that means less shenanigans. Right. Which right, isn't right, good right. for a television show. Yeah. But I do I, love the shenanigans. Well, I think also you're hitting on something that's really important because I think someone could look at this and be like, 
oh, she's the ditzy blonde. Right. But she's not. She's not at all. No, I And they actually say a couple of times. Julia Mm -hmm. says a couple of times, you're the most organized person I know. Mm -hmm. You're the most together person I know. Mm -hmm. And I just, I find that so interesting because she is the one apt to take us down rabbit holes and she is the one apt to take us off focus. Mm -hmm. But she's, she's like got it together. Right. I think, and with like, I, I thought the free spirit was a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, so Suzanne, my personal favorite, mm-hmm. um, throughout the season, and I think we talked about this in one episode, I don't remember which one, but she vacillates between dim-witted and also up on current events and pretty educated. That just throughout throughout the whole season just continues to give me whiplash. Yeah. And I think even up until the bitter end, we have that glimmering moment of Oh Susanna, where you see her go through this like fully self-absorbed to slightly less self-absorbed sharing herself with someone else to feeling that loss of this little girl that had become such a part of her life. And that was a really nice sort of character arc for her. Mm-hmm. Then I think we flip right back to her being dim-witted and sort of ditzy. Um, so I think she was the character of the, the ones we've talked about so far. She was the one that moved the most, mm-hmm. mostly to stay the same at the end. Yeah, it is tough. And again, I'm not to harp on this, but when they air out of order, it, you know, we don't know where things were truly going to fall. Mm-hmm. And it is so hard for us to sit here and judge this character arc, but we're going to do it anyway. I mean, that's what we're here for. Um, it's how it aired. I think we're going to see more um, eccentricities mm-hmm. as the show evolves. So Suzanne was very predisposed to these boomerang episodes where this progress is gained and then lost. Um you know, I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm very hopeful that we will see more things like Oh Susanna in yeah. season two. But yeah, we're kind of in the same place right now with Suzanne. I'm going to swap C's because um, okay. I, I was going to go in a different order. I'm going to go to Anthony next. Okay. Only because there's not very much to go off of for him this season. Mm. We just didn't really have him that much. I have the most amount of points under his. Oh, good. So what, I, what I'll say is that we, we got to know his aspirations. Mm-hmm. We got to know that, one, he has this backstory, this criminal backstory. Um, we don't know too much about the criminal backstory, but we know it exists. But we know he's trying to change his life, and he wants to go to junior college. And they've really set up this story for him again just this future arc that they really haven't done for the other characters like we we know charlene wants to get married that's a big part of what what she's doing we know julia and reese are together we have some of these niblets but with anthony they've set this arc up that he's got some some focus and promise um he does shift a little bit from a minor character to more of a critical piece of the show as the episodes go on. Mm-hmm. But I just really, he wasn't in that many episodes. And the ones he was in, it was just this brief, there's our Anthony moment, and now he's gone. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really see that much changing about him. Yeah. But I'm curious, now that you have a lot to, about him, I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I think I'm pontificating. Okay. So uh, It's what you're best at. Well, I think a lot of his growth may have occurred before he was even on the show. Yeah. Uh, we don't, to your point, we don't know. We're still as the audience in the dark about his unjustly accused days. We don't know what happened. Right. Now you and I have talked a few times, um, with a, a a mild curiosity about like, what are we going to find out he was unjustly accused 
or is he kind of like a mastermind? Yeah. Um, the whole thing. <laughs> where, <laughs> right. This whole thing where he takes on um, Charlene's family, memorizes all their names in right. two seconds, and then spits them right back out. Creepy. I, I get it's a sitcom moment, but yeah, also you're like, wait, is he funny? Is he a sociopath? Right. <laughs> like, you know, we had this thing about uh, him using the van after hours. Oh, yeah. And we weren't sure, like, was it for a dog grooming company? Does blue roll at midnight for <laughs> dog companies? Or is that grooming? Or is that more like uh, some criminal underground activity? We don't know. Right. Um, so I, I, I want to believe the best. Yeah. Um, and I've already... I cannot profess my love one more time for Anthony on this show. Such a delight. He really, I think, is my favorite character. I have a favorite character out of the women. He's probably my overall favorite character. I am curious what was in LBT's head in the first season Hmm. uh, and where they thought they might take this character where he eventually goes because I already know where he eventually goes. Hmm. Uh, I won't spoil that for anyone, but yeah. So Mary Jo is the last one, Mm -hmm. and I think she actually had the most growth over Mm -hmm. the season. Mm -hmm. Um, So she starts the season, I I call her timid, like fairly timid, a little um, scattered Mm -hmm. because she's newly divorced. She is um, a single mom. There's just a lot going on. But there were several plot lines about her inability to stand up for herself or to push back on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in that episode about the weird clients, there was even that like on the nose reference to how easygoing she is. The rich one? The, yeah. Where the lady basically just says, what I love about you is how I can push you around. Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the season, right there in Bachelor Suite, we saw a lot of growth. We saw her not just standing up for herself, but like physically standing up for herself and pushing back on this man that was making her very uncomfortable. That was the episode where we really dug into how hard it was for her to stand up for herself and push back on people. But when push came to shove, she really did. And I think that was a lot of growth from what we saw at the very beginning of the season. Um, So I thought I saw a lot of growth in her character. And I'm curious how she continues to handle this like balance of being a single mom and, um, and feeling that tug between her ex-husband and um, the kids wanting to be with him and preferring him over herself. Mm. So I, I agree with your take. Uh, she has strong opinions, though. I think that's what's so funny. Like, we see throughout the um, first season that, I mean, she's not shy about having the opinion. She's shy about delivering the mm, opinion. Mm-hmm. And it sort of depends on who's around. Yeah. So the our three other designing women, she's around them all the time. She's comfortable. They're friends. Um, I mean, that are getting to know each other better as the season right. goes on. And so I think she feels much more comfortable being stronger in front of them. I also agree, though, that by the end, she is literally cornered in a manner that where she has to stand up for herself and not rely on anyone else. And um, I think what we learned is that when pushed to the brink, she is not to be underestimated. Yeah. So I had a couple of kind of looking forward and where we're headed in season two. I kind of already referenced a couple of these, but for each one of the characters, I just outlined my key questions. So I'll share mine and then you tell me if you have other questions. Uh, Julia, my main question is, will she, won't she with Reese? What's happening there? Uh, Mary Jo, again, how will she continue to approach co-parenting with Ted? And then what the heck's going to happen with JD? 
Um, Charlene, is she going to find love? This whole season, we've talked about the various dates, the various men. Um, what's going to happen for her? Suzanne, I just want to know if she's going to get married again. That's a running gag that she's been married so many times. I'm just curious mm-hmm. if we're going to have a, a, another marriage. Um, and then again, how's her character going to grow? Um, we've, we have had this like back and forth on is she smart? Is she not? Is she dim? Is she not? And I'm just curious what they're going to – are they going to give her something more? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do with this like, oh, Susanna, Suzanne? Um, and then with Anthony, what's up with junior college? Where are we with that? And then what's going to happen with his romantic life, which we have not gotten into really at all. They mentioned a potential date on New Year's that ended up falling apart. Um, So surely there's more there. Do you have any other questions for the characters? I don't think so. I I think for me it's more like it's hard for me to outline questions because as we learned in this season, in the 80s they were not afraid to drop a plot line. (laughs) <laughs> and thus never return to it. Right. So I, it's almost hard for me to get invested. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I am hopeful that we'll start having, again, more of that connective tissue. Yeah. So what about, do we expect any changes for season two? Uh, maybe not just for the characters, but anything more broadly. Yeah, so I started doing a little, little look-see around, and uh, I did run across some things that might be not spoilers, but just, you know, kind of some insight. Uh, we talked at length about Mary Jo's wardrobe in <laughs> season one. Mm-hmm. Just being, a, I, don't, I don't know what was going on there, but frumpy. there was kitty cats and mouses on vests and I don't know. Cutesy. Yeah. Yeah. She, but very cutesy, which seems like, I don't know, not necessarily fair because she's already a petite person. Yeah. Um, so we're going to put a bow on her head and put her in a, a frilly dress and a doily around her neck. Um, all to say, I hear her wardrobe may be getting an upgrade. So <laughs> also to say, these are things that we need to be keeping an eye on. Yeah. Uh, being on the lookout for changes with Suzanne. Mm. So I ran across on tvtropes.org what they are calling the flanderization of Suzanne, as in Ned Flanders, <laughs> as in The Simpsons, as in howdy-do, neighbor tootly-doo, flutely flop <laughs> I don't even really watch The Simpsons, but even I know about Flanders. So basically what that means is you take a character's single action or like a trait, and then you just exaggerate the crap out of it. Okay. And by the time they're done, that one thing just completely consumes that character. Oh, interesting. And then usually this trait or action is like completely outlandish and becomes like their defining characteristic. Oh. In this case, it sounds like they plan to dumb her down. No. (laughs) And they want to make her come across as spoiled and pompous rather than intentionally acting malicious eggs half a dozen if you yeah. ask me but whatever some of this is said to parallel the weight gain that delta burke experienced okay um so let's just keep eyes on that okay because that's like a whole thing and that's like a lot of layers that i'm hoping that we're going to explore as the podcast continues even i know about that and i haven't seen the whole sh- the whole series but i know that was a real struggle for her yeah uh other things dixie uh julia I'm, I'm, I'm oscillating between their real names and their character names, but Julia will come back looking a little different. She reportedly received plastic surgery between the first two seasons, 
we're not judging. We're just saying this is something that's like out there in and the so ethers. I'm glad you're reminding of this because I actually thought it was after the first couple of episodes. Me too. So interesting that it's between the seasons. That gives me something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. And what it what she winds up saying, and she's very on record about this, or she was, again, Dixie Carter passed. But, like, she didn't want to be known as the older one. Mm-hmm. She had a sneaking suspicion that this was going to be her break. Right. And I guess she was right. So, and also, I'm just going to say, I think she was 47. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool for the times. Yeah. Because we struggle with that today. Definitely in the 80s, by the time you're 47, someone that's a year older than you, that's a man, is dating someone on a TV show that's uh, 20. Right. So, lots of problems there in Hollywood. Right. Off screen for Jean Smart or Charlene, her and Richard Gilliland were married. Uh, actually between the first and second season. And so I, this is just me. I am on the lookout to see if we can see the chemistry between these two. Oh. That's got to be awkward, right? Yeah. I know they're actors, but, you know, this like Mary Jo and him are supposed to have chemistry. But they're like newlyweds. Yeah. So I'm curious if in season two we see any sparks any time that the two of them are on set Oh, together. funny. Funny, funny. Yeah, because they will literally be in the honeymoon phase of their relationship. That's funny. That's it for me. All right. Well, ready or not, here we come. Season two. Up on ya. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) With that, this has been your extra sugar. Hmm? (laughs) You have to say, we'll see you around the bend. Oh, what is wrong with me? (laughs) 